What's up? We want to give thanks to all of our amazing sponsors. Piper Diamonds, your hometown jeweler. Bling, bling at piperdiamondco.com. TheCardenasLawGroup.com, your concierge level service, which is for all your personal injury needs. And Compton Broomhead Dental at MunsterDental.com. This is top level luxury dental care. And Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Safety first since 1927. All right, Kelly Cardenas podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. I have on the show with me today, probably one of my, well, probably one of my biggest mentors in my entire life, uh, now one of my best friends, and it's so great to be able to spend time with you. She's an international superstar. She doesn't see herself that way. She just sees herself as, oh, I'm just your auntie, or I'm just your friend. Um, but this is honestly one of the most iconic uh, hairdressers that's ever lived, one of the best stage artists in the world, one of the uh, most incredible uh, um uh, editorial artists um, in in our in our industry today, and as far as education, there's no one that's even close to her on the level. And the reason why is because she only talks about what she does. Like she's never telling you about a theory that she's not actually doing uh, in her profession. And so the professional beauty industry. The way I want to for those of you who aren't familiar with it, um, there was a guy named Vidal Sassoon, who all of you know who it is. There's a guy who uh, was named Paul Mitchell who worked with Vidal and started off on a whole different journey. There was a lady named Jean that uh, uh, was a stage partner with Paul. Then there was a, a young lady who was stage partners uh, with uh, Jean and a guy named Robert, and she's in my presence right now. So when we're talking about the lineage of the professional beauty industry, we're talking about three generations away from the epicenter of what the professional beauty industry is. Now, most people don't understand that part of it, but you can imagine in the car, this would be like if we're talking about the, the car dealer or, or, or the car manufacturers, we would be talking about three generations away from Henry Ford. Now, when we put it in that context, that's why I want you to realize the magnitude of the person that's sitting across from me right now. Um, so please welcome to the show, Miss Stephanie Kachowski. Wow. Well, Kelly, thank you for what <laughs> I was like, how long is he going to go? But we all know <laughs> Kelly, you can go on forever. Uh, first off, to be in that, to be brought into this podcast first is great. So thank you. Uh, but secondly, to know that like, I've known you for 20 plus years, let's just say that, mm -hmm. and I've watched you grow. Uh, looking at uh, the epicenter and how my career got started at Paul Mitchell, it's just luck. Uh, and I just feel lucky to think about where I've been and where I'm going. And uh, I'm just excited to be here and see what you want to talk about today. <laughs> well, I'm going to stay on her because she, she is incredible. And I want you to hear every single word. So I'm going to keep your microphone real close to your okay, to mouth. There we go. Yes. Okay. Um, but <laughs> let, let's start off with You said you feel lucky. And this is a thing that you've always translated to me since the beginning of time that we got a chance to be able to spend. Uh, like I met you in 1997. Um, I had followed your career for two years before, but... 
1997 is when I actually got a chance to start working with you. And you had always talked about, I was lucky. I was fortunate. I was around people. You never talked, you know, about like, Oh, beat my chest. I did this. I did that. Um, where did that thought process and mentality come from of being so gracious? Because honestly, Steph, like, and I've told you this before, you're one of the greatest to ever lace them up. Like in the professional beauty industry, there's nobody, there's very, very few people, if anybody in the professional beauty industry that could even hold a candle to what you've done in your career and what you're going to do. Um, but what has kept you so humble? What has kept that mindset from the beginning? I think humility starts when you think about yourself, when you think about the opportunities that you have given and what you've been handed and I think, you know, you talk to people all over the world and they're like, oh, well, I didn't grow up so well. Nobody did. But we're here. We're born, you know. Uh, I know, uh, unfortunately, I lost my parents really young at a young age. So for me, uh, I can count like the memorable moments almost on two hands. I've had more memorable moments with you than I might have had with my own mother and father. But what did it bring me? It brought me here. So I've always uh, felt very, very fortunate. Maybe it's because I had an immigrant grandmother that like when I would talk with her, uh, she would just tell me how it was in the old country. And yet one day I was watching something. Uh, it was Neil Diamond. He's saying, come into America on the television. And I called her up and I was like, wow, it must have been so great for you to like see the Statue of Liberty. And she goes, no. I was smuggled in and I was like, whoa, I could have been living in Canada for all I know, but no matter where, uh, I just felt fortunate to have the upbringing I had to be around the people because I feel like everybody that you meet teaches you something and maybe allows you to either speed up in that lane or put your blinker on and move to the other one so that like you have examples all around. So choose the ones that are going to help you get somewhere and focus on gratitude for that and just keep moving forward. I think that's it in a nutshell. That's <laughs> why I feel so lucky. You know? <laughs> well, I think the, the relatable part of you has been probably one of my favorites because uh, again, I, I, when I talked to you on the phone the last couple of times, I've told you that, I mean, you're an iconic figure. You really, really are. Like when I talk to the people that I know, like that I work with right now and I say, in, in passing, and I feel like a jerk when I do it, I'm like, they'll ask me, oh, what'd you do today? Oh, I just got off the phone with Stephanie. S Stephanie who? Stephanie Kachowski. Are you kidding? You're talking to Stephanie Kachowski and you're just <laughs> acting like it's nothing. I'm like, well, it's not nothing. I mean, we know each other and the, the relatability I think is so good. And my dad, uh, me and my dad just had a, a conversation the other day and we had made some comments, me and my brother, and, I, and now it brings it into light of hearing you say what you're saying, that all of us had challenges, right? And we told the story of the challenges and my dad got a little offended. And he was like, we weren't broke, son. He said, you don't know what broke is. And I was like, well, based off of what we knew, we were broke. And he was like, well, based off of what I knew, you were, we were rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you were rich as can be. So how have you been able to, as you've soared with the, and you don't think of yourself this way, how have you been able to stay like, so relatable at all times. Like when we go to a hair show, we're in Hawaii. Everyone's there to see you. People spend all the money to be able to go for a week right before COVID <laughs> to see you and be with you. And you're just like, oh, I'm in the crowd. I'm hugging people. You know, that's what you're, that's what you do. Why is that so important to you? Well, I think it's kind of people want to be remembered. People want to feel great. 
uh, people want to surround themselves with people that make them feel good. But I feel like what I loved about it right before COVID, I was so sick at that Hawaii seminar. I probably gave everybody <laughs> COVID. Um, it was just the opportunity of being on the island. Like, you know, that such a renewal. And yet to almost like uh, give everybody that chance that I had as a young hairdresser going to Hawaii. What did I know about Hawaii? I knew Elvis movies from Hawaii as a kid, you know. So for me, uh, to just put that, like, energy of the island into them, and plus to give them an amazing experience, that's why I got turned on to Paul Mitchell on the island, you know. So it's almost like... uh, it's funny when you called me the other morning at seven and you're like, what do you got? I go, I got cold feet, a hot cup of coffee and a hoodie on. And then you're asking me to talk to the salon. I'm like, sure, I can do that. Uh, I think it's just to be relatable. You always want to remember people. Now I might not remember your name, but I can tell you something funny that you told me once, you know, or a few other things, but like, uh, making, Being relatable, I think, is a way that I always want to be remembered. Um, Because when you're relatable, people get you. They understand you. You can help them. When you have to fight through this genre or whatever, someone's personality or I I don't know. Like, I just always, if you can meet somebody equal to them, then you can help them rise and you, you rise from it too. I guess that's my thought process. Well, a thing that I, I notice about you all the time is no matter what system we have, like you're willing to throw the system out the window because you want to have fun at the particular time. And then you make up a new system, but everyone seems to be, and what I've found over the last 24 years, 25 years that I've known you, you've always been on that next level and people are trying to write down your system while you're going behind. And then you look behind and they're like, why are you writing that down? Cause that's not relevant right now. How do you stay in that state? You once told me, you said, look at your watch. This is in the Mandalay Bay in the back room or the, the hallway. You said, look at your watch. And I looked at my watch and you, I said, number one, it didn't tell the right time. Never does. Never does. <laughs> but you said, look at the second hand. And I looked at the second hand. You said, see, it's on 12 right now. And by the time we say something again, it's going to be on another 12 and you need to be on to something new. And I was like, damn, like I'm trying to get the 12 from the beginning. You know what I mean? So how are you able to continue to stay out front when we live in a world that constantly wants to systemize you? Well, I think systems are awesome. They're an organized way of thinking, a way of unfolding ideas. And if I use the system that was, you know, like older, you know, like when you think about it, the... Wells Fargo started out as like a gold coach that would go from California to bring the gold in. And now we have a banking system. Uh, you know, pretty soon, I mean, I have an app that I can bank right there. I don't even, I can invest right on my phone. I don't even need to leave my house, you know. Uh, systems are great, but if you don't upgrade them, then you're left behind. So like, I remember one day at Paul Mitchell, they're like, oh, we're never going to go to email. I, w- I wish we think about that now. <laughs> it's like, oh, how many emails did you get today? 500. Um, if you don't upgrade the system, you know, even you told me I was Henry Ford or in the circle of Henry Ford. Uh, well, what if we just had the, you know, whatever the first Ford was, you know, now we have Teslas, we have, 
shit, the Mach 5 still around from Speed Racer. So like, uh, I think putting yourself, if I did something an hour ago, it's not good enough right now because it's an hour old. So like, I remember that day at Mandalay Bay and my life, like when I think about what I've had the pleasure to do, what I still have the pleasure to do day in and day out, it's not unlike anybody else's life, anybody else's career, uh, because I'm always looking for what's next. And sometimes that can be a little rough, but when you always, you know, in presenting to people, you always had to have what was next. Uh, you know, I can always remember, uh, going to a hair show and they're like, well, what do you got? Where's your hair piece? And they would bring in this elaborate stuff and I would have like a, a hair weft that had color on it and I had it like in my back pocket and I go, here it is. I just need to shampoo it. And it was always like wrapped to like something really little. Uh, but then when I put it in the hair, it was really big, but I didn't have to wait or, or develop some sort of solar systems out of styrofoam balls because that wasn't wearable. I could just bring my little thing, you know, um, just always trying to push myself for the next thing. Cause that's what, I don't know. I get bored really fast. So if I were to write something down today, it's good today. But the next, the next thing is first off, I got to get you to think like that. So getting people mm -hmm. to think that anything's possible. Uh, I remember teaching you how to blow dry one day in the salon and you show me all about your blow dryer. It had taillights. It had blinkers. <laughs> it was big time. So, yeah. It told you where to go until it died. <laughs> uh, and then we had, a, and, you know, so it doesn't matter what the tool is. You're the user of the tool and what you do with it brings the outcome. So I think like understanding how to like just grow your row. Like if I were to row right now, I'd probably get three paces, but let me practice and I can get farther. And I think going farther in your career, your craft, you just got to believe anything's possible. And it truly is. I mean, <laughs> I can't even believe that I got a VP in front of my name. That means very Polish, <laughs> uh, but it's very pleased. Um, I think it's like a, an achievement, you know, and I think I have always enjoyed achievements. Maybe it's because I was a Girl Scout and I used to get all those badges. And yeah, I got them all and I had to sew them on myself, you know. Um, I think it's finding badges or badges could be like the way you look at people, the way you look at your craft, the way you, whatever it is that you do, always have some sort of goal. And then when you think you're, you've made it, you got to go past it because you know, what I set out to do or what I really wanted was I wanted to be a master associate at Paul Mitchell. That was my goal. And that's why I got involved. And then when that day hit, that was like 1992 before I even met you, you know? Um, so at that point, like what, well, I could have stopped, but I didn't. I went on and I continued to have the most outrageous career I think of most people in the industry that first I'm alive I want to thank everybody that maybe pushed me <laughs> in the right direction or showed me where the elevator was uh you know but like uh to think of what I've had the pleasure to see who I've had the pleasure to work for it just it was like like meant like and it just went forward you know who gave you the ability to dream like, because when I, when these are the things that you have told me from the beginning, you, you didn't look like everybody. You didn't look the same as every other girl, right? You were taller than them. Um, you know, you didn't look the, the part. You didn't have the long flowing, you know, hair or whatever it was or what the person thought that, you know, maybe this should be. And you continued to break molds. But who gave you that permission? 
I think it was my hairdresser. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we were kids, me and my sister, and my mom would go to the salon and she would drop us off at dancing school. And after we were done, we'd come over and we would, you know, the ladies were like sleeping, smoking like 17 packs of cigarettes under the hood dryers. And they would like, show us what you learned. And so me and my sister, you know, the two oxen would come in and we would show them what we learned, you know. And then afterwards, I was like, I was always so bored. So for me to look for something, I started cleaning the salon. I started like taking all the papers off the rollers. And then I found the back room and all the color and organizing it. And then they had a wig tray. I was like, what do you do with this? She goes, we leave it in the solution, and then we rinse it. I'm like, can I rinse it? Like, permissions were granted when I was, like, first or second grade with my mom, you know. Um, but my hairdresser made sure I always fit in, and that's one of the reasons I always wanted to be a hairdresser, because no matter who you are, you should always look and feel great about yourself. And mm -hmm. I think that's uh, the freedom that I saw. And just being a dorky kid you know and to have a really cool haircut nobody else did they just had long flowing hair and I so still don't fit in and I kind of love it you know <laughs> I remember one time I went uh I don't know what it was it was here when I moved to San Diego like a chamber of commerce thing and I had to be like interviewed for it and the lady said to me, she goes, well, did you ever think to change your image? And I'm looking at her. And I was <laughs> like, let's go talk about this outside. But like, uh, did I ever think to change my image? And I go, no, my image is what attracts me to people because I'm different. I stand out. And if you would like to, too, here's my card. And she goes, well, well, we'll see you at the event. I said, I don't think this event's for me. Change my image. Bah. You know, it was just funny. And like, and then I thought about it and I was like, uh, and then I think I highlighted my hair once and then I was like, no, this is surely not it. Surely not it. So that was, that was a good thought. Yeah, it was a good thought. But I was like, you know, do you want to fit in? No, stand out. That's why you got your dreads. Yes. Uh, yes. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, Charlie. <laughs> So, she's talking about Charlie Brown because my big ass head is what it is. Uh, tell me this because you, you speak about, yeah, like you, you've talked about him for a long time. You've talked about these things. What did your pop mean to you? Uh, meant the world. Uh, my dad was like uh, just energy, you know, like he had a gas station and he was a car repair kind of guy. Uh, so he was always grease monkey, you know, Frank. Uh it's funny, like sometimes I have a little picture of him that when I was moving, I left and I came back just to do once through, like, was, was there an earring on the floor? You know, I don't know what. And there was this white little rectangle and it was a picture of my pops. And I'm like, where did this come from? And so I put it in my me uh, medicine cabinet. So every day I'm in there, like brushing my teeth. I'm like, what's up, Frank? You know, what's up, pops? Uh, he just had this un, like dying energy language, uh, kind of like a little quirkiness about him. He always attracted a lot of different people. Having his business, uh, you know, like I remember I used to do all the banking. It was fun. It was like a game. You had to count coins and count ones, and there was a dollar of $1 bills. I used to do my dad's banking, but I did it with a pencil because he had a pencil sharpener around his desk, and I don't know what it was. It was so stupid. But uh, what I love about him is I learned the most about my dad at his funeral. Uh, because people say, your dad kept me on the road. Uh, he used to buy cars for people. And like, I think he just knew that I was like, I don't, you know, I don't even know if he ever knew what I would do, but like, he would take me to people that left an impression on me. 
Like when he would go buy a suit, I had to go with him. Uh, he would buy cars for his clients. I would go with him. So like learning that sales, like I talk about, I can get you free mats. I can get you the low jack, uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so it was always interesting. Uh, you know, and he had a, like a kind of uh, systematicness maybe about him. Uh, worked so hard, you know, I can remember like he'd go to work, come home and like go do his books and then like, you know, camp on the floor in front of the TV. And then finally my mom, Frank, go to bed, you know, like always telling him what to do. But like he, uh, he was definitely, he was in the war, uh, Korean war. So, but he was a mechanic. So he always saw him with a cigar and <laughs> driving a Jeep. So I think he just fixed cars in the war. I don't really know. But what I love is, uh, he fulfilled my heart in a different way. He was a W.A. Cartwright post 115. It's an American Legion in New Jersey. Uh, it's walking distance from my house. And every Thursday, he would cook dinner for all the American Legion men. And he's like, you want to mix a few drinks? I'm like, sure. So he gave me permission. I'm like, <laughs> because I was tall, I could hit the counter. And I used to make drinks for people. Uh, and then, like Memorial Day, we would sell hot dogs. We had to make pancakes for the Golden Star Mothers. So he gave me an appreciation for like things that I probably would have never experienced in my life and uh, definitely hard work, but take the heart out of work and just make it fun. You know, I think that was one thing that he always gave me. And I think the thing that surprised me the most is whenever I go back home to New Jersey or Philadelphia, um, I always stop at the grave and then sometimes I'll stop and get it maybe a bottle of wine, I'm not sure what. And I met somebody coming out of the liquor store. It's a state store in New Jersey. You can't buy liquor anywhere else. But you go in and that guy's like looking at me and he goes, I know you. And I'm like, what did I do? You know, right away. And he goes, you're Frank's kid. And I'm like, yeah, I am. How you doing? And he goes, are you that hairdresser one? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And he goes, your dad always knew you'd be successful, are you? I go, yep. So like here, you know, the man that rang up my bottle of wine is telling me like my fortune from my dad, you know? So, uh, I think whether you have somebody in your life for 10 years, five years, 20 years, uh, just get the best out of them or remember them in the best light, you know, because you can always think of so many reasons why, but here's why you can't forget them or because they're in you. And like, there's days when that hair is flat <laughs> and there's no red lipstick around the house. And I'm like, Whoa, you know, people, I say, where you get your hands, my dad, where'd you get your eyes? My dad, where'd you get your feet? My dad. I think the only thing that I have that's in me, uh, are my female parts that aren't like my dad, <laughs> you know, uh, for someone that I knew for so little, I think I've got the best of him in me. So thanks for bringing that up. Well, when when we talked about systematic, I want to go back a little bit because we talked about systems and and you you're constantly breaking the mold. But the one thing that I've seen with you for over 25 years is that you are so systematic in principle. Like not that you do the same thing because you could come in like working with you is like I swear <laughs> it is like a carnival. It really is. And, and there's squirrels everywhere and there's ice cream. And sometimes you use a chopstick in somebody's hair. And that's, we'll get to that story here in a bit. Um, sometimes you use foil, not because you're creative, but because it's all you had. Um, it's, it's this adventure working with you. But there was always an adherence to core principles. And you would never, like you could be in mid-joke, ha, and somebody about to step outside a principle. And you would 
let's call it cross. You would become cross and you would look and then you would let them know you're not going to step out of principle. We're going to continue to serve people at the highest level. We're going to be able to, we're going to make sure that people are feeling great. Um, all these things. And you would never deviate from them, but you were always okay with deviating from a new technique or whatever it was, as long as it was in line. Why was that so important? And how are you able to do that? I think like when you think of a system, it's an organized way of doing something. And we work for John Paul Mitchell systems. Well, I say I put the S in systems. <laughs> um, it was the way I learned. Uh, for me, like I see things different, like over there, squirrel, you know, oh, you know, oh, Mrs. So-and-so's here. And they're like, how do you know? I go, I smell her car. It's coming in, <laughs> you know. Um when you think of a system, it's organized, but it doesn't tell you whether, you know, like some people say, oh, I, I ask people all the time, tell me something nobody knows about you. And the lady goes, I can recite the alphabet backwards. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I said, I think A and Z are interchangeable, you know. So as long as you, you know, serve that person at the highest level, giving them best of the experience that day, because we only have one chance to get somebody to feel like they belong in our culture and, you know, what's different than us than any other individual. Um, I think too, it's like, again, looking at a technique, am I going to do it the same? No, I might twerk it a little bit. I might use a chopstick one day. Maybe one day I'm just going to pick it up because you stole my chopstick, uh, you know, and maybe I'm going to use a foil or maybe I'm just going to twirl it on my finger. Uh, I never want to get bored at what I do. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to push the envelope and make it different. But I think the core principle is always like don't ever let anybody see you sweat. And I think like working in an area, like we work in a color bar, it's an organized way of doing color. It's not in a back room. You're sitting out somewhere different. Uh, well, maybe we did before COVID, but now everything, I still work in the color bar because <laughs> we have a lot of chairs there. Um, but yet I wanted my work to speak out. And at the time before COVID, we could have like two or three guests hanging processing. Well, one might have a triangular foil and the other one might just have one full piece with them loaded on top. I, I always wanted somebody to say, well, why is so-and-so like that? Why is she, why, how, how come I don't have that? Well, you didn't upgrade to a highlight today, but when you do, you can have the little triangular foil. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from stage work. What am I doing versus the booth across the street. Mm -hmm. And I think the majority of my career, uh, I never th grew up thinking I would do hair with a staple gun, but it was a dare from Chromines. And if he dares you to do something, you do it so good, he's going to wish he had the staple gun. You know, so like, uh, it's just trying to always push the, push the like box, I guess. Yeah. I don't even know if that's something Well, you even say. with the, with the push an envelope and things like that, like. Thanks. <laughs> Pushing the box. <laughs> you can use box, envelope, whatever you want, Stephanie. It's great because when you make up words, people will say them afterwards too. People in the audience, I remember you would just be like, we would be working and you would say something and it would be so like, you would just make it up at the time and we would be laughing back in the back room. And then someone would come to you and be like, oh yeah, well, uh, thank you for pushing the box. Like <laughs> the hell is pushing the box. The pushing the box don't mean nothing, but she just said it from stage. So we're good. But I tell you like as much fun as you would ever have, there was always lines that you were not allowed to cross. And you know, how are you again? Like, how are you able to do that? And you are 100% authentically Stephanie at all times. Like, and it's so amazing and having fun and having a good time. But I, when you step over that line, it, it, 
and it switches. Like, is there a switch in your leg that <laughs> that you go from laughing like that, belly laughing like that, to be like, you're, you need to sit your ass down. Like, what? Okay. You know, I thought I was just laughing because most people don't have the ability to shift gears. They get laughing so much or they get, you know, so loose that sometimes they forget respect. And you have always kept the highest level of respect no matter where you were. And a lot of times I was on the recipient end of the beaten because I was, I was stepping out of line. How are you able to do that? I think a lot of it comes from maybe like my grandmother. Like she would, if it wasn't her way, man, forget it. Jenny, forget it. But yet uh, I think it's a respect, but it's also a respect for what we're doing at that time. Like, to know the amount of fun that we have had in our lives at a hair show, being crazy, being stupid, being in Canada, trying on like 900 pair of shoes before model call. Like who does crazy stuff like that? I remember being on like some sort of like children's ride outside a supermarket once <laughs> <laughs> laying on the floor, <laughs> pretending we're clocks. And this was without drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wow. Um, I think it's like uh, my my Uncle Harry, uh, very religious in our family. Uncle Harry was a, a dock worker, so he would lift stuff. He was, he was a big guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he taught me how to work out. He brought a picnic bench downstairs. He brought, like, two 10-pound weights, and homie showed me what to do. He showed me how to uh, polish my shoes. Uh, you know I'm a, a good at that. Uh, whatever he taught me, he taught me away, and he's like, when you eat, you eat. When you mow the lawn, you mow the lawn. When you're doing this, you're doing that. So I think it's that respect, um, and I recognize it in people. Like, I've uh, been in taxis all over the planet and when i go with robert he always calls the person sir or ma'am and mm -hmm. he speaks differently to them and i was like oh, what's that about and yet i just think that that's it's a respect that's uh given for what we have the privilege to do so we can be insane but like if somebody's just stepping over a line maybe it's temperature maybe the temperature rose on that side of the room and i would just look at you and say all right uh, you know, like I remember one time you had wax lips. I don't know who gave it to us with like uh, hillbilly teeth in them or something like that. And you guys were pulling them out in front of John Paul. And I'm like, oh my God, like you're my crew and he's my boss, you know? So like, I think you, you know, you got to look that night. And then after a while, I think even John Paul put them in his mouth. I'm not, that's where COVID started. Um, but yet, uh, yeah, I think there's, you can go along for a bit, but it's always like respect. I don't know. I don't know if that even really answered that. Absolutely. It does. Yeah. So with you two, uh, you're the only person I've ever seen this happen. And I got a chance to be able to work with you. Um, probably one of my favorite times was when you handed me uh, African American girl in New York <laughs> and you were like, you cut a bob and you were like, blow dry this. And I was like, I'm going to show her, I'm going to hook this up. And then I just blow dried it with my hands, <laughs> which is the dumbest thing. If you're out there and you're listening and you're a black woman, African-American woman, you understand that if somebody just blow-dried your hair with their hands, you were going to hate them. But let's amplify this situation and uh, do it in front of like a thousand people on stage in New York. Getting to assist you is probably one of the biggest honors in the whole entire world. Now, on that day, I failed tremendously, and you gave me the look like, <laughs> I'm going to kick your tail when we get off stage, but chase you home you very very calmly after you hit me with those laser eyes 
went over and handled, laid her hair, and it was perfect. Having the opportunity to be able to assist you was so phenomenal because I knew that you could do every single thing that you were asking me to do a hundred times better than me, and you allowed me to do them. Why would you do that? And how are you able to have that type of power, humility, and pass it? Because you have passed things to other people for your whole career. I've watched it. I've watched it at photo shoots. I've watched it at hair shows. And you could do it better in every sense of the word. But you allow other people to shine. Why is that so important? And how, how, do you, how are you able to do that? I think because the same thing was done to me. You know, uh, Paul Mitchell, can you color this head of hair? Sure. I brought color to a photo shoot, like in a bag. Like in a bag. I'm like, why are you cutting somebody with roots? Why? What's up with that? You know, and like for the work that they would do and just so like everything was always passed. So if I saw an opportunity and yet, yeah, I could have hand, I think it was called the fan blow dry at that point. But yet I knew that if her hair was dry, I could do anything with the electrical like smoothing iron or whatever, like a silk press with it. Uh, and I remember that day like it was yesterday. And I remember having Trevor Sorby in that audience saying that you made her hair look great. Uh, and it was just a little, it made the product shine, gloss drops, was like, like butter to just make her hair. Uh, whatever it is, it's like... Uh, that other person needs to have that feeling also, like to know that I could just bang something out and it could be awesome. But yet maybe I had enough that day, <laughs> you know, like maybe I was at my level of good deeds and you had to have a few too. Uh, well, by- the reason why I say this too, Steph, is because a lot of times people will give you the stuff they don't want to do or that, you know, it's kind of like, ah, I'm not, I'm, I'm over this, so I'm going to let you do it. You would have something that would... Like, it was so important, but you would allow a kid who just started with the company to do that in front of an audience of a thousand when this was a big deal. Like, that is, I've always wondered. I've always, it's, it's always been inside me and wanted to ask and wanted to be able to find out, like, how, how, how are you able to have that type of strength? Because that's strength. I think it's trust. I know no matter what, you're going to be there dancing and having a good old time no matter what. Um, I also feel like uh, I know I can get out of anything. Like no matter what happens when you're with me, I can get you out of it. No matter what. No matter what. Like one day we had a lady that came in. Uh, it was in the A Street location, and she had been to a party before she came in, and I had highlighted her hair, and Sergio was with me at that time, and he <laughs> takes her, and he's and he goes, Steph, I think she passed out. <laughs> I'm like, take her to the wash house. He goes, there's a line. I said, dude, you go first. And I go, rinse her hair out, <laughs> then call the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> I did not go in her purse and charge her, but uh, I could handle that. And he he could physically pick her up and took her around the salon. Uh, no matter what you get into as a rising star, a fellow hairdresser, I can get you out of it. 
Yes, I have pulled foil out of a hair and it stayed in the foil instead of staying on the model's hair. <laughs> so what do you do? You make it look the most outrageous pink and you give somebody an awesome trim for stage. You know, like there's some things you cannot physically, like I could handle whatever happens, whatever happens. Like, you know, once I'm doing a hair show, the lights go out. There's 800 people in an auditorium <laughs> and we were in like, the Ozarks or something. And I'm like, just psh, dead. And I'm like, all right, nobody panic. What do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, oh my God, everybody, it's going to be back to old school Paul Mitchell. We're going to take everybody out in the atrium, there's sunlight. We're going to sculpt air and we're going to see what we've really developed right here. And we just took the whole show. I'm like, no rush to get out there. The model's got to get out of their shoes. And da -da -da. I said, let's take it slow. And then we had everybody open the doors and everybody just went out and we went into the atrium. Now I thought that day, 800 people in the arena, I thought there was going to be like, you know, nails flying, people, <laughs> you know, getting crazy. No, everybody just walked outside and we just all, you know, completed it. Um, I think there's a certain power that you, that, I don't know, I think I can do anything. Like my cousin, I never really knew my cousin. I met him maybe four years ago. So we grew up different cities, states, but as soon as he walked in, I'm like, that's my cousin. They're like, how do you know? I go, look at him, it's him. You know, I am taller than him, so I think he's mad about it, but it's okay. And he goes, you don't like to follow the rules. And I go, no, I got a bad leg, so I'm not going to go. I'm going to jaywalk. I'm going to jaywalk. <laughs> he goes, you think you can do everything? Yeah, I do. You know, so I think, like, no matter what it is, uh, you learned a lot that day. You know, you learned that you need to be bringing your Deadman brush. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to be uh, pulling on that hair and making sure it's just as, you know, Smooth as anything, but um, you'll never do that again, would you? Mm -mm. <laughs> how, how have you been able to also, I, I think that the art form that you have is so incredible because you'll be with future professionals at 21, 19 years old. Then you'll be with hairdressers who have been in the industry for 10 years. And then, oh yeah, by the way, later on that night, you're having dinner with uh, John Paul and maybe two other people and it's just you guys and you're hanging out you are able to adapt in every single situation. So even what I've noticed is your speech patterns change. So you'll go from 21-year-old, you are you know the lingo, blah, 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 but you're not that person that's trying, like that dude that's rolling up with the Ed Hardy stuff on, you know what I'm saying? Like not that guy. But you're relating on those, how are you able to shift gears to understand and know how to speak those different languages? I think it's what I learned, you know, as kids, we grew up in the city. Uh, so when you went over to New Jersey, it was a whole different world. Like from where I went to grade school and where I went to high school, like everybody looked like me in grade school, except I was a bit taller. When I popped in the high school, I'm like, oh, wow, this is where all the blonde kids live, you know, because <laughs> they weren't in my neighborhood, you know. Um, I think it's also like uh, putting yourself into those people's shoes. Uh, if I was this guest and I looked like that and I had hair like this, what would I want? I can... I can be there, I can sympathize, I can empathize. When I'm with a future professional, half of their thing is they just don't know what they even want. They don't even know anything's about, they're just excited. So let's take up that bottled excitement and give them something that they can start to be successful at. And I think it's being comfortable with people because 
you know, you learn from a book, you learn on a mannequin. She doesn't say, ouch, but a real guest will tell you, ouch, and then they'll be taking the brush out your hand, you know? And then if there's a hairdresser that's been in it for a while, I get that too. They could be burned out from doing it, making the donuts day in and day out. And then to have the pleasure to go to dinner with John Paul is unreal. And I have been put in so many crazy situations in front of John Paul that like, I don't even think it's like, uh, he's almost, you know, he asked me one day, he goes, besides your sister, who is one of the oldest people, you know? And I'm like, my dad, oh no, no, no. I go, dude, it's you. (laughs) So like, I mean, the stupidest things that I would say to John Paul, we were, uh, the first time I got to go to Europe was two days after my, uh, sister's wedding and she threw the bouquet but my eye caught it so I had a shiner we missed our flight in Germany so we had to fly we were late I show up at the show I totally take off my flying clothes and I put on my clothes for my suitcase right there put on some lipstick and just went right to work you know and he's like I think tomorrow you should get a massage for what you do today and I'm like dude whatever you think let it happen you know uh John Paul too you know he's one of the most amazing people on the planet because he's from humble beginnings uh very appreciative very gracious uh I can remember in Hawaii I'm like JP you know your people, he calls us all his people, are coming. Let's get you ready. So he's riding a bike with a bank bag. I'm like, dude, any, you're in Hawaii. Some Samoan could jump out from behind a palm tree, and you're just JP on the road. No bike, no bank bag. So I kind of keep an eye on him. Uh, I always keep an eye on John Paul because he's the prize. You know, we're at Disneyland. People are starting to form lines because they want their picture with him. And, like, everybody's ahead looking at whatever we were looking at. And I'm like, John Paul would love to take photos with all you guys. Let's just do this. He's kind of in a hurry. Uh, Why don't you give me your camera? I'm going to take it, and then you're on your way. What do you think? So, like, just keeping an eye on him. But uh, he's also a kid, you know. He asked me how old I was. I go, nine. He goes, good, because I'm 11. We're going to be fine. So I always feel meeting people with who they are, and yet there are some people I can't even meet. You know, my sister's boss at one point, I rolled up and I just got my first Audi and you remember those days, you know, and he goes, wow, you're just a hairdresser and you can afford that car. And I was like, dude, you picked the wrong (laughs) sister to mock today, you know? And then I asked, I go, oh, big time lawyer, huh? That's awesome. I said, what do you make a year? And I go, beat ya by 50. And he goes, dollars? I go, no, grand, you know? And it's like, uh, but like, I hate that I have to go there sometimes. And I hate when I got to bring that girl out. But I love when she comes out. Oh, <laughs> you know, there's always there's this awesome book that my friend Joycey gave me, and it talks about how you phrase a question will give the person that's going to answer the question could, like two ways to answer it. So they say that there's a two wolves that live in your heart, right? So do I want to be Little Red Riding Hood or I want to be the big bad wolf? So when you ask a question, make sure you understand who you're asking or what you're trying to provoke out of that answer so there's sometimes oh the big bad wolf she does come out and she will huff and puff and blow you down but really i like i like rolling with little riding hood these days because (laughs) uh you get more out of lemon you know lemons when you make lemonade so to speak so like just always trying to sweeten it up and realize that nobody's perfect too 
Well, I, I love the humility in it and, and, you know, watching you, uh, you know, watching you grow over, over the course of these 25 years, um, probably one of my favorite things is there's, we were just talking about this the other day, a Swiss army knife, right? Now, <clears throat> a Swiss army knife is not, this, this was the thing that we were saying that was bad, was a Swiss army knife is not the best knife. It's not the best fork. It's not the best corkscrew, but it's got something for everything. When I think of you, you're all the best of those things, but you have all of them. Most of the time, people stay in their lane. Like, they, they got their niche. Today, it's all about, like, what's your uh, special niche? And you're the only person I've ever seen in, in my career that if I put you in a Latin, all Latin uh, environment, it's all Latin women, you know exactly what hair color to do. You know exactly how to be able to talk to them. You know exactly what the hair texture is going to work like. You can color the hair. You can uh, uh, cut the hair. You can uh, style the hair. You can do whatever. Um, we could go into the Italian side. We could go into the white side. Now, most people are safe there. Most hairdressers are safe. All those things I just... Now, there's one. There's one <laughs> that most people are, are going to be like, ah, I'm out. And that's going into African-American hair or black hair. And if you're listening to this, Stephanie is not as tan as we're about to talk about. <laughs> but what I am saying is you're the only person that's been able to drop into any environment, in any culture, in this game, and murder it, like at the highest level. How important is that? Because most of the time people are like, and you hear this all the time, we go to schools, right, all over the country. I'm a cutter. I'm just passionate about cutting. I'm a colorist. I don't even like cutting. I just like to style hair, and I'm just going to only do weddings. <laughs> okay. You could do weddings. You could do color. You could do cut. And it does not matter what the person looks like in your chair. And I've watched this happen. And I've watched a, a, a African-American woman or a black woman sit down in your chair and look at you and be like, this is going to go really wrong. And then just be eaten out of the palm of your hand by the end. How important is that to understand and be able to do all and how have you been able to do that i think it's like shaka khan says i'm every woman you know <laughs> uh when i think about it i was born in philadelphia grew up there so in my neighborhood it was very ethnic uh polish polish people italian people irish people across the street though you had spanish people you had black people so like they were my neighbors that's where i i rolled you know uh when i moved to new jersey i met people that i never saw before blonde blue-eyed girls with like you know different like shirts or whatever you know like nothing that i ever seen i got my sister's hand-me-downs or my cousins you know we weren't poor kelly we had what we needed okay <laughs> all right pop um, that was for you that, that was, was for, for you pop. that was for you pops um but yet when i think about it um you know i've had my hair wronged many a time uh, where people just, oh, let me cut it. It's so this, it's so that. No, it's fine, frog fur, and you're going to make a big hole in it. And finally, I decided I just needed more holes in my hair to make it work. Uh, I never want anybody to feel left out uh, because of where I grew up doing everybody's hair. I grew up that way. You know, I never really thought of it. Uh, the diversity, uh, when I started, I was a cutter for sure. But then I found the niche for color. Mm. And then there was a need to to get it done, to blow it dry in style because I had 
uh, what do you call it, like somebody that could cut and yet could I outcut them? No, but there were other things to be done. So like always finding your niche, you know, I never wanted not to be on the show team. And yet looking at people that could only talk. Okay, great. That's going to get you past the opening. We got a cutting scene. Uh, you never know who your models are going to be. And yet with Paul Mitchell, the way Paul Mitchell and Jeannie did hair back in the day, it was everybody. It wasn't just one specific, uh, you know, also traveling helped broaden my horizon. You know, you go to Hawaii and work, it's like, wow, that's some hair. I can remember one time doing a class and it was supposed to be a cutting class. Now all I got to do was shampoo the girl because she had never had anything done to her hair. And I shampooed it and I combed it out. That was an hour. And then I put conditioner on it and put her up under the hood dryer and then I just let her hair air dry and it was the most beautiful thing that account is still open because I took the time that nobody would have ever chosen that model and I think that you know uh looking just how we grew up it was important to be able to do everybody's hair and yet you had to be the best at it because you were the one that had that card you know that you could do it so when somebody picked a model they picked it knowing that I was on the team you know, so that always feels important too. And, uh, I know one of your good friends, Stacy, when, uh, she came to San Diego, you're like, she can do your hair. I know it. She can do your hair. She can do your hair. <laughs> and I think the only reason I don't do Stacy's hair is because she doesn't live in San Diego anymore. This is true. Know? So like, uh, but like we still keep in touch, you know, uh, one of my other favorite clients, Marie, uh, Marie was a lady that got probably, uh, you know, ref you know, reference to the salon through Stacy or someone like that. Mm -hmm. And when she walked in, I was behind the front desk and, oh my God, I must have had too much coffee or I don't know, could have had a little whiskey in it. Not that I ever drank at work, but man, <laughs> I was out of my mind that day. I didn't know what was going on. And I'm laughing and carrying on. And the lady walks in, she's like, I'm here to see the artistic director, a lady named uh, Miss Stephanie Kajelski. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I like so stupid and I go hold on let me get her and then I came back up and I go hi I'm Stephanie you know and uh just a, a black woman that had her hair wronged and uh, I had the pleasure to do her hair for a few years until she rolled up to LA yeah. and this is so funny she walked into a friend of mine's salon a girl that you know too Paula Peralta yes and she said to her you know, you remind me of my old hairdresser in San Diego. And then Paula goes, let me guess who it was. And boom, it was me. So like, uh, you know, that I was able to help Paula be the girl that she is, you know, who is a black woman. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, sometimes we all have to just be whatever it is to show people how you can be your best. So when you're dealing with hair textures, because, and I've watched this art form of you, is there's some people who know textures, right? So they know, and for, for our listeners out there, um, if you, if you are a African-American woman, you know exactly what I'm talking about and how important it is, how important someone doing your hair right is and how important it would be if someone did your hair wrong. Now, if you're a Caucasian woman, um, you're going to be like, oh, well, that was a bad hair day. Uh, for African-American woman, it's a whole different, it's a whole different, it, it's a whole different thing. But what I noticed with you is you not only understood texture, which people did because they would teach you kinky, curly, wavy, straight, over curly, whatever it was, and they would teach you, oh, this product went with this, but you knew how to talk 
to what was important to the person. And I want to compliment you on that because I watched, like there would be people that'd be like, and I knew that they could do a black woman's hair, African-American woman's hair, but they did not know how to talk to them. They didn't understand and know how to be able to connect because there was a different importance to them. And I, I want to compliment you on, on those things. Is that something that you're conscious of? Like when you go into a situation or an, is it now just muscle memory? Because I see you switch. Like I, I see, I, I watch you and I see you switch from a Latin Stephanie doing some, you know, like some Latin dancing. And then you go into, you know, high and mighty, uh, you know, woman from the suburbs and has all gold on. And then, uh, and then you go into whatever it is and you allow yourself to be with that person Sometimes what I see people do uh, is they say, oh, well, that's just not me. I've never, ever felt that from you. I, you you really become whatever it is that the situation is. I think it's, uh, if I really think about it, like my first job, my beauty school was in Northeast Philadelphia. Uh, and yet <laughs> my first job was down in downtown Philadelphia at a store called John Wanamaker's. And it is still the best department store, even though it's not Wanamaker's anymore. It was nine floors of fun. Mrs. Santa Claus was there. You'd go have breakfast with her. Uh, there was a post office. There was a travel agent. It was like, it was Disneyland in a department store. And it ran, you know, it had a basement levels. And on the basement level where the L, the elevated train would come, there was a salon and it was six bucks for anything. Six bucks for shampoo, six bucks for a treatment, six bucks for a perm, six bucks for a relaxer, <laughs> six bucks for a blow dry, six bucks for a haircut, six bucks, six bucks, six bucks. So for me, six bucks, where do you think the art of the upgrade came? Six bucks. So, and I was the only white girl that worked there. So for me, you know, I'd be the one hanging out because you wrote your name on a blackboard and sometimes I'd roll up and I'd be like, uh, you know, Claudia and Claudia would get up and they're like, no, not you. And I'm like, yeah, me. Or your name goes at the bottom of the list. So what do you, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, my consultation skills have definitely grown before like, (laughs) yo, what's up with your hair? You know, but I think it's like, you know, it's, it's so funny. It is like my trip to Europe. So February 3rd, I sailed on an airplane to Rome. I landed in Rome. So it was all Italians. It's easy. I've been there. I know the rooms. I know the models because we work so much in Italy. Not a problem. But you wet down somebody's hair and it turns into a big afro and somebody from another part of the world sees that kind of curl pattern. And they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, you got to blow it dry to finish it. You know, so like, I'm like, let me, let me show you, you know. Uh, And then from there, I went on to Finland. And I've I've never seen people with less hair than myself. It was awesome. That was really easy. It was like, oh, just one. I got it, you know. Um, And it was just such an easy show. It was awesome. And then we went to Spain. And I had curl for days and I had a girl that wanted to be blonde and she ain't ever seen a smile on her face until that day she became blonde. Uh, but like there were just different things and, you know, sometimes you got to let something go in a model room to someone else that might not have that skill set. And that day I had to let the platinum card go Ooh. and you know how hard that was for me. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, we were there late, let's just say, but everybody paints so fast. And I was like, oh, you're so fast, but there's no paint. All the paint's on the floor, on them, on my, you know, hands. And then I'm like, mm-mm. 
So then I'm thinking of Spanish songs that I might have heard. So there's one, Besame, Besame Mucho, which is like, kiss me, kiss me all night long or whatever. So I started to sing it as I watched my hands paint. So then I had 85 people singing that song where I just broke out over the microphone. Now, I can only carry a tune in my suitcase, but it made the pace of the room slow down. And they all sang and we got to paint. And then after that, I went on to London. Now, we speak the same language, but we roll differently than the English. And I had the pleasure to do a cover for uh, Created Head magazine, which was awesome. And I didn't have any idea who the model was. And I see the model, and she's blue-eyed, she's gorgeous, and she's fresh lightener. You can still see, like, the redness on her neck. I'm like, oh, I had that done this morning? That's beautiful. <laughs> and then I looked at her, and I asked her in Polish, and I said, you know, are you Polish? And she's like, yeah. And I said, we got this. This is easy. You know, and I just pin-ironed her hair, something we've done. I still think I have the burns on my finger from it. And then all I did was put it up with some twine and put some pressed flowers on it. It's something you've seen me do a million times. But because I haven't exercised that muscle of a photo shoot in a while, it was like, I was like so happy about it. And yet it was such a simple thing, but the preparation that it took to get her hair there was a whole nother world. That pin iron just takes forever, you know? And then I went from there, from London to Greece. And what a different head of hair that was. I had a girl, uh, Sophia, I still remember her, She's absolutely gorgeous, probably like a middle, middle of the road, medium brown hair. And she goes, I don't care what you do. And I'm like, you're going to care when I leave. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I like to be a blonde. So, you know, I was like, all right, but I'm not going to take you lightened. You know, it's too much maintenance. She's never had anybody do her hair. Her hair was down to her back. Uh, I cut it. It was naturally curly. And she's just prancing along. She came in in, like, blue jeans and sneakers and a T-shirt. And then she brought a dress from her mom and borrowed high heels from somebody. We popped makeup on her. And when she was, like, walking, like, she, you would have thought Tyra Banks trained her, you know. And then she turned around and looked in the mirror and, like, was, like, laughing with joy because she couldn't believe she looked that way. And I think when you can give somebody a different version of themselves, just be from their hair and give them like that possibility. Like I can remember talking to her. I still talk to her on Instagram right now. You know, she wants to be a designer. So just really uh, putting yourself into that place. What would it be like in Greece if I was 26 and I never had my hair done, never had an opportunity to look like a supermodel? Well, she had all the, she had all the stuff. And one of the Greek guys asked me, uh, why did I choose her as the model? I said, because of the possibility she allowed me to do. He goes, well, I wouldn't have picked her. And I said, well, that's why you're not doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you can't just, you've got to pick the audience. You've got to pick people that the audience can roll with. And mm -hmm. I think um, that's one of the things that like Paul, Gene, Robert have always shared with me, you know, um, and having just that flexibility of understanding where people come from. And yes, I've lived in a city. Yes, I've lived in a different area. Uh, yeah, I lived in LA. Yeah, I live in San Diego, but I've traveled the world. And I think I've just brought a little bit of peace of everybody home with me. So what does it feel like? Because most of the people, <clears throat> myself included, um, will hopefully you will feel this feeling, but you, have, you are able to walk into a, an environment when you said like, I could get you out of anything. <laughs> and I've seen that look because I've been scared at times. We've been on stage together. We've been in the back room and I'm looking, and I'm like, I am scared right now. And I see that look from you and you're like, 
I got you. We're, I mean, we're good. And then we're going to joke about it. And then we're going to laugh about it. And then we're going to have a story later on. And you know what? We're actually going to laugh while we're doing it. And what is it like to have that type of confidence to walk into a room and know if S goes down, we're good. We're good. Like, uh, how, how does that feel? It feels fantastic. And I think like the thing about it is, is like, you know, when we were kids, my sister, she cooked her phone book one night. I don't know why she didn't want anybody to get her numbers. She was like in sixth grade or something like that. It was just whatever. Um, and I remember like being in my room and like smelling something and I'm like, something's on fire. And I go in the whole kitchen around the stoves aflamed <laughs> because homegirl's cooking her address book or whatever the hell it was. And I was like, she's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, we're going to get water. And we're going to put it on and we're going to go outside and we're going to take the phone. I'm going to dial it. and We're going to call dad. Don't tell dad. I'm like, well, I'm not taking a rap for this, you know? So like there's ways that you can, you just got to will it that you're going to be all right. You know, certain things that have happened, like, I don't know, before it got a little colder, it could have been like the first week in maybe September, a couple of my friends from LA rolled down and they're all, they can be a lot sometimes. They're just energy. They don't live in L like they live outside. So to come to San Diego, it's like everything's on steroids for them. So we went to breakfast and then I'm like, I got to go to the beach because I, and then all of a sudden there's a lady in the wave and they're like she okay? And I go, well, you're not like, you're going to ready go help her. They're like, what are you going to do? I go, I'm going to go get her. And I went and I pulled her out the ocean. It's not the first time I pulled somebody out of the ocean, but yet at that point, like some days you're somebody's mom, some days you're their hairdresser. Uh, some days, I don't know. I think I ate confidence for kid. Like I think instead of, you know, eating whatever milk was in the bottle, it was just confidence. Uh, I don't know. I think there, if anything can be, I'm going to help make it happen. And no matter what happens, we're always going to have some fun. And yet we have been in some tight situations. Uh, I mean, maybe some policemen were involved. I can remember traveling with a band and they were playing, uh, Times Square. That was their goal. They always wanted to play in Times Square on the two cops. <laughs> roll up and they're like uh we're gonna take them to court and i remember making out with a cop now really <laughs> but any, you know i'm like well hey that'll detour them oh, yeah. to let those guys get out for a bit you know um so it was really a good kiss anyway so you know it was awesome but like you can as long as you've got the crowd you've got the people you've got to present a willingness and i think like um uh, John Paul does that all the time. Mm -hmm. Paul Mitchell does it all the time. Jeannie did it all the time. We all do it in a different way. Robert does it all the time. But yet you've got to have that confidence. And no matter what, nothing, you know, not on my watch for sure. You know, I'm always going to be there to make sure we get it. And that's what I always tell people. They're so scared to work with me because they might get the devil eye or whatever. But yet you're going to remember it. You're going to remember everything that we've done because – no matter what it is, I can always get out of it. Like if it's, 
you burned her hair, it's all right. We'll just cut it a little shorter, you know, or it's a wrong color. Like the one guys we worked with, he didn't know color from anything. And I would always go, wow, 4G and 20 volume would be great on her hair. Well, he didn't know how to formulate, but he was, he was the number one color producer, you know, (laughs) good old Abe. Uh, But like, uh, you know, anything's possible. And I think so many people have helped me. Mm -hmm then you just got to give somebody that confidence, I think. Well, anybody that, that would be scared, like, you know, because when, again, you're an iconic person, all of you who are listening, um, you understand why, if you're listening right now, you understand why I feel the way that I do. And you guys are only getting a couple minutes of you. I've got <laughs> years and years and years of this, which I think is amazing. But also, too, more than the 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 eye that you would get, you're going to get the care and love. And I've got these, uh, I've got this at times. I've And I, I've very seldom ever seen someone transfer from being an assistant to being the head of the show, to being the headliner, to being the the shampoo tech behind the stage. And you do everything, no matter what void needs to be filled, which I think is amazing. And you care more than anybody I've ever seen. Like, um, you know, when my mom passed and and we had her celebration of life, I mean, you were there with me, um, looking at the flowers and making sure that everything looked okay. And I remember the one time, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I walked into the salon, and I was just, I wasn't good. I knew I wasn't good, but I was, you know, at this time, COVID people, um, you guys are like, stay home if you're uh, one degree above. No, back in the day, we, we, we didn't give a damn if our leg was falling off. You were making it to work, and you were going to do whatever. And that was my mindset, and you had helped to be able to forge that. My dad did too. My mom did too. And I walked into the salon, and I knew I wasn't good, but I was like, you know what? I watched you work through things before and you pulled me outside. You looked in my eyes and, uh, and, um, you just, you said, here's my keys. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, you said to me, like, here's my keys. There's chicken noodle soup in the cupboard. (laughs) There is orange juice in the fridge. The bed is made. Go home until you get better. And I was like, and the first thing I thought is like, what about my clients? I got a full schedule. And you said, don't you worry. And you took care of every one of my guests plus yours. I went to your house, which is a lot better than mine because mine was in the hood. And I went and sat on the, or laid on the, 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 the bed and I had the chicken noodle soup and I had the orange juice and <laughs> your care, like, how are you like, and every time I think that you're not going, like you've, you've, you've reached that pinnacle of care, then you go to another place. Where do you draw? Like, aren't you empty sometimes? Oh, there's times I'm empty. I always, people always say, well, what's your life like? I feel like I'm kind of like a whale that you're going to jump out. You're going to show everybody how far you can blow or whatever. <laughs> and then you're going to flip your tail and then you're diving under. And if it's a bad day, I'm diving deep and I might be under for a little bit. Like people always say, if they text me or they call me and I don't like get back to them in a bit, they know that I'm like underwater, so to speak. Um, uh, but I don't like to stay there long because that's not a good place to be. First off, being underwater, you got to breathe. <laughs> you got to breathe. Uh, and without a tank, you're kind of screwed. But I think it's like, um, again, it's like knowing what it feels like to be rescued. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I had my mom's friend. Her name was Rita. And Wednesdays, we had a half day of school. So I'd walk to her house because my mom wasn't feeling right, you know. And I'd hang out there and like, 
we would cook, we would make Christmas, we would do so much crazy stuff like that was rescued, you know, uh, different people, you know, have always come in whenever I've had something go down. And man, I have had some brain surgery. Who do I call? <laughs> you know, broke my leg in Mexico, rollerblading. Who do I call? It's usually the same people, mm -hmm. you know, to come to come get me. Um, but when you've been held in that space that people care about you, you know, what good were you going to do me that day in the salon? You would have gotten more looks than you ever would have amazed <laughs> but yeah if you're not right you're not right and if somebody can help you it's like we had a husband and wife that work for us and then all of a sudden in the middle of the night her water broke so i had 28 guests one day i never that was my busiest day i felt like i was at a hair show that day but guess what i did them all and i was out by six you know and it was just one of those things so I feel it's like who you want to be. If I'm ever in that space, I hope somebody's got orange juice and chicken noodle soup for me. If I've ever, you know, I've done some crazy shit backstage where I was like, oh my gosh, is that even really happening? So, you know, I've always tried to be there for others because others have always been there for me. And Tell me a specific time when you were rescued in the hair game. Like, cause I don't think of you being rescued. I think of you as the coast guard, like <laughs> saving all our dumb butts, you know, doing silly things. Were you ever in your career, like in your career? Because people that are listening right now, if you're a hairdresser, you know exactly who, who this is. If you're not a hairdresser, you're like, well, how can this woman do my hair? Like all of you are going to be like, <laughs> I want to go to San Diego. I need to have one time with her. You save everyone. You do. You, and, 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 all, and you even save other manufacturers that are at the, at the show. You'll, <laughs> you'll help them. You'll shampoo for them. You'll do whatever. Tell us a time in your career where, was, where you got saved. Well, uh, when I was a young kid, we had uh, two people come work for us, uh, John and Suzanne Chadwick. Mm. And I had been in the audience, and it was one of my, I think my only time in the audience, it was when we did our first gathering. And it wasn't even called gathering. It was just a show. And I was just good old Stephanie Kachelski, no title. I was a national educator, if that was even a title at the time. And I watched this woman on stage, and her helping hand or her assistant was dropping everything. And she was looking for something all the time. And that night we were at the party and I had a little card in my bra and I reached in. I go, I'm never going to drop a comb. I will always have the spray. I will always have the roller. I will be there. I'm available if you need me. Now, I never thought I would be bold enough to just go and here's my card. But it, I knew I could make a difference. And it was interesting working with them. Oh, my goodness. So a couple times, you know, uh, there were some things that I didn't get right, but like uh, we had 12 models a day in long hair and you had a, and they were all girls with like past the bra strap. So you had to get down there. You had to blow them dry fresh. You had to set them. And then like six of them had to have a ponytail in one specific place. You never get that damn ponytail in the right place. Like I'm like, yeah, uh, it's all right. And Susie would always come down. Oh, darling, let me redo that. And I was like, Ugh. so finally, like she never showed me where it went. Like there wasn't like a longitude and latitude of the <laughs> of the ponytail set. You know, uh, it just so one day it just clicked and I finally got it. Uh, but it would have been easier if she would have just said, oh, if you put a comb here and cross it, boom. But she maybe didn't speak 
Polish, you know, who knows? Uh, so that was one of the things. Um, there was a couple times too, when I was a young kid, um, I worked for a distributor that sold Rusk, Sorby, Mitchell, and TG. So four headliners and it was early eighties. So we were all high, you know, we were all young and I mean, young, like young in years of, of even being in the hair industry. So I got to work with everybody. And I remember I would do makeup for Trevor Sorby. And I had a deal with Vivian McKender as my individual. And she's like, oh, to outline the eye. And she would give me like an hour. And I'm like, so you want a smoky eye, huh, Viv? You know? <laughs> and there were some times where like I had glued the eye closed and just whatever. So I've had to be rescued. Uh, colors, always the nightmare about it. Because you could put something on and no matter how good you are, somebody always just, there's just a few times, you know? And I remember one time I put on color and the hair was going to a bob. So I really colored it from scalp to chin. And then the ends were really crap. So one of the girls sees it after it comes out the wash house and she goes, look at this color application. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> so we call that application San Jose. So whenever there's like some weird spots in the hair, we just call it <laughs> San Jose and everybody knows that story. Uh, there's been many, many a time where I've been rescued, whether it's been, um, you know, I can remember doing hair one day and, you know, 12 models to highlight. That's a lot of hair where the rest of the team skated. And I don't know why, but one night at 630, Chromines came in the back room and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I got two more to finish. He goes, where's the team? I said, you know what? I don't know, but I know I got to fulfill this. And then homeboy gave me a little rhythm and rhyme with some highlights, you know? So like, there's always people that are going to rescue you if you keep rescuing others. But I don't know, like, it's it's just something I've always done. Like, you know, on the playground, somebody's mocking somebody or, you know, making fun of somebody. I would always step in. So I feel like maybe I just always like to step in. I don't know. So the whole reason why I made the podcast is because of my kids, right? Maddox and McKenna. You have been around before they were even thoughts, right? You know what I mean? And we talked about it today, and, and you asked that their ages. And um, uh, McKenna's 11, about to be 12. And Maddox is nine years old. And so the reason why I wanted to, the reason why I made it for them is because I wanted to take iconic people like yourself and I wanted to humanize them. I wanted my kids to see that Stephanie, the most iconic hairdresser that's ever been, is anti-Stephanie to them. Totally. And so <laughs> if you could use their names, Maddox and McKenna, what advice would you give to them? Well, I'm going to go for... Maddox first okay. because he is fire he's got his own style he's got some like long tail in the back of his head and in shaved sides and he's different sock wearing you know uh to me for you know he's got some heavy shoes to fill too with McKenna uh he's got some heavy shoes to see you and Rob's brothership you know, um, the degree that you have with all of your friends. I know why you don't invite me around when all the boys are in town, <laughs> but I'm a little older now, Kelly. I can restrain myself. Um, but like for Maddox, never give up and to create his own path because you expect a lot from people, you know, and I think when I look at him, you know, he's a little shy too. You know, like I can remember always, you're like, ah, go give Steph a hug. And he's I'm like, come on, I won't bite, you know. 
But like, I remember like one of the times, uh, I think it was at Monaghan's graduation. I, I just felt this like energy behind me and it was like a gold light. And all of a sudden I turn around and I see the dreadlocks. I'm like, ah, that's Kelly. And then Maddox comes bouncing out and he hung near me cause he didn't feel cool. You know, he, a lot of crazy people, a lot of loud people, maybe a little alcohol was going on, you know, and he's not in that element. So I knew like he stuck with me. So I would just say, keep hanging in there. And no matter what it is, it's always going to be his time, you know, like, don't be shy. Just keep on going. Like, you know, just keep swimming. And for McKenna, I mean, uh, she's so beautiful. Uh, she like, you know, makes food and she does all her arts and crafts. And yet sometimes I'm like, you're great. She's great. Like know what you're great at and don't, don't try to measure yourself to anybody. Uh, I, she's always a taller kid too. You know, I was like, she's got to fit in one day, but she's got to believe it. Um, and I think like, don't give up because you're not like everybody else because you're magic and not everybody has that light. Uh, and I can remember being here while Brooklyn was doing a little, uh, maybe a podcast, maybe a little zoom video and all masked up. And I sat downstairs because I volunteered Brooklyn for the job. And I knew that if I was there in the audience sharing the support, that Brooklyn would shine beyond and she kicked it out of the park. She was amazing. And McKenna sat there the whole time. And I don't know what your dog's name is. Skylar. Skylar was sitting there and then Skylar was starting to come up here and I would be like, like I was going to bite the dog and then the dog was scared of me. <laughs> but McKenna was like, she just loved it, you know, that somebody gave her that attention. So, you know, I'm a big kid. I always try to give kids as much attention as possible, but um, I think as a kid, you just see so much, but don't let it blind you. Always know that you're, you're just absorbing. And I think your kids ha absorb so many awesome people. Their parents are awesome. You know, they're nuts. They are nuts to what they get to do, but it's going to be your turn one day. And I think that like, uh, keep up and doesn't matter that you've, fit in, stand out, and stand out for a reason, because you already do, I think. Realize that you're going to be great. And that's what I would kind of offer to any kid, you know, and no matter what, there's always something. There's always something that you're going to do better than somebody, but just keep trying. Like I watch Maddox on the skateboard or the hoverboard. I don't know what the heck it's called, but the thing with wheels. And uh -huh. he might not hit every jump, but when he does it, he's, he's celebrating it, you know. So keep celebrating what you're doing and for McKenna, just know one day, man, watch it. Cause she is gonna, she going to give you a run for her money <laughs> for sure. For sure. Kelly. <laughs> and there are two awesome kids and, uh, that you even have children is kind of trippy that we're even, that they're 12 <laughs> and nine, you know, like I remember when you were 12, Yeah, you know, but, uh, just like you, it took you a while to get to who you are or to find yourself. Don't rush those kids. They'll find their own way. Just like you did. Just like I did. That's my advice from Annie Steph. 
what what's next for Steph? Like you know, because if I would have told little Steph from from uh, Jersey that uh, little Steph from Jersey was going to have a VP, very Polish, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What was the other one that you said? The v- VP. What was the other very uh, very uh, something very, else? Uh, well, you said very Polish, and then you said something else too, but. If I would have told little Steph from from Jersey, hey, you're going to have a VP of uh, one of the the well, the largest uh, independent uh, brands in the in the professional beauty industry, that you are going to be. Let's go over the lineage again. There was there was Vidal, there was Paul, there was Jean, there was Robert, and there's Steph. I mean, we're talking about royalty. So, if I would have told you at that point, you would have been like, "You're a confident girl," but little Jersey Steph would have been like really? That's going to be awesome. That's going to be so crazy. Now you're living in crazy every single day. For sure. <laughs> okay. So, so I call it star Wars. If you would have been that little kid in Jersey, star Wars would be you sitting here right now. What's star Wars to Steph now? Well, I think like, um, two years ago I was at a hair show and four one one enter Kelly and Mary. Uh, I had a little episode food poisoning. I never thought that I would be taken out from food poisoning. I thought somebody would have electrocuted me and put my mic pack in water just so they would get the chance to walk out. Uh, but I was taken out, and uh, I got to watch. I didn't watch anything the first day, but second day I got to watch the opening, and I was just like, it was weird role reversal that I was placed in the audience versus being on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that was an interesting point in my life, and then a couple days later I had to have brain surgery, and I had to come back for that. Um, but I came back with like, I want to say like a vengeance or something. Mm-hmm. Like I let a lot of stuff go, but what I came back was to like, I came back to do something. Now, nobody gave me a letter and told me this is what you're going to do. But like, I think I have to, like, one of the things that I had to do was remember what I was great at. And I was great at getting people to do crazy stuff, uh, having nuts, having a good time doing it so that you would want to come back and do it again. Uh, I think like for me right now, like I'm working, you know, I work with our distributors at Paul Mitchell. I work with salons. I work with schools. But now I'm starting to rewrite a book, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but like when I rewrite something, you got to take it apart and maybe look at it differently. It's like, it's the same thing. You could have a model and the first look is bridal look. And then the second day is the day after the wedding. So you just have her, you know, get rid of the bees in her head or whatever, you know? So like, you've got to be able to transform. So what's next for me is through COVID, it's allowed me to be home and see what I want. Uh, and what I want is a stronger, like kind of existence and strength to me comes in many, many ways. So I'm working on my fitness. (laughs) I can only measure what I can drink and eat and I'm not fanatical about it, but I'm learning uh, what it takes for the right amount of fuel. Like your gas tank tells you when it's empty. Uh, So just understanding when the tank's empty, what needs to go in? Well, for my car, it better be like high end gas or I'm not getting around the corner. So (laughs) I'm not eating gas, but I'm eating the right things (laughs) to to (laughs) propel myself. Uh, I'm also looking at what the future brings, you know, um, 
you know, you, you have a pair of scissors that hasn't changed. You have combs that you use. You have clips or chopsticks or whatever it is. I've always tried to take things apart and put them back together again. So I'm trying to think about the next generation a little bit. What do they need? What a, How is technology going to play a part of it? So if I'm taking a book apart, I might need to put one together, you know, um, that came to me and uh, came to me again today. Uh also, like, uh, maybe there's something that I can do. My experience isn't just in hairdressing. I think there's many people that are scared to do things. And, you know, I remember, like, my godson, his first day of school, he goes, Stepan, can you bring the black car? And I'm like, okay. I was going to take you to school anyway. And I'm like, are you a little scared? And he's like, you know. So it's like I feel like I, I offer a comfort for someone so I think that like maybe there are some things that I could offer. I love to speak. I love to do hair, but that's not my only insight. So I don't really know, but I'm taking the time to work on me because I haven't been home this long, 27 years, uh, where I've had the ability to do stuff. So I'm kind of deconstructing what is because what is isn't anymore. You know, when people are like, let's go back to what was normal. Normal? What is normal? You know, I don't know. I'm not normal. Neither are you. You know, most people aren't normal. So just looking at what the future holds, I feel like uh, technology is really strong. So getting to understand it a little bit better. I uh, had a little class today with the OBS and the ROD with the record button. Uh, just looking at it, you know, uh, it's hard for me because I'm kind of spoiled. I've always been on video. But I go to a studio, it's all set up, lights, camera, action. Now I got to bring out the iPhone and the ring light. And I, I just, I don't have the patience for it. So I think working on my patience, working on myself, also looking for maybe uh, someone to walk down that road with me a little bit. Because, you know, before there was always an adventure awaiting because I had an airline ticket in my hand, you know, and I used to have airline tickets stacked in the house because I was, I knew where I was going a year in advance. I don't even know where I'm going tomorrow. I know I'm going to the salon tomorrow, but yet, you know, I get off at three. So what am I going to do? You know, just always looking for what possibilities could be there and, um, paying attention to a little bit more of you know, I know by talking to people and understanding, like polling them as to how their life is, I might be able to come up with a solution. So I don't know what I'm going to uh, make, but I do think that it could be some sort of uh, a helping hand for others to maybe that want to do it. You know, if I really think about it, if we wait another, like we've been a year without a hair shows. So that's a year of people understanding what a platform artist maybe is, what a, you know, we were a, a year without TV, you know, and now that TV's coming back, everybody's masked, everybody's this, everybody's that. So like we're reliving COVID on TV from like the start of last year. Um, you know, I can't, I, I really love doctor shows. <laughs> Who knows? I might go to med school now. Um, but like looking at, that now, like I can't watch it anymore because I've had enough of it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a chance for a future, and I think everybody's waiting for something. But I think instead of waiting, I started to get active on what I wanted. So I'm just kind of looking at, uh, you know, partnership, partnership with myself, with mm -hmm. other human beings, 
hopefully he's around the corner later. Uh, you know, <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot of people are taking the time to lay out their future. And I'm trying to lay out my future by looking into it a little bit more. And it's probably going to be something to help other people, you know, uh, like, you know, you used to have like a, a compass, maybe it's some sort of a compass of some sorts. I don't, I don't know what that is yet, but don't worry. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and everybody who's listening. I know that they're going to want to get like, they're going to want, like, if you get a chance to experience you, you just want more of you. Um, whether it be through the podcast, whether it be through video, whether it be through courses. I know we talked about that a little bit. I know that you're working on some book stuff. Um, you're working on the courses and for those kids out there that are hairdressers, I mean, it, it, that is probably the most valuable course that you'll ever take as one from Stephanie. And in the past it used to just be, well, I can catch her at a hair show. Now it's going to be great because there are some digital things in the work. There are going to be things that where a person can have Stephanie in their pocket, um, can, can watch the videos at home, can, can take courses with you. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the fact of them being able to touch and feel pages, um, that, that, you know, are from your brain because not everyone's going to get like, I have 25 years of one of the most amazing women in the world. Like I'm, I'm very fortunate in that. And I, I'm, I'm excited for that to be to the world. I'm excited for the people who aren't hairdressers to tap into the mentality. Like if you're listening right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The type of mentality that Stephanie has, because Steph, no matter what you walk into, it's going to be awesome. You already said it. You were like, there's nothing you could throw at me that ain't going to be cool. No. But there's so many people <laughs> out there right now that ain't cool. And uh, they're, they're challenged in it. And uh, I, I think that you, you were probably the first person in my life, too, that, that helped me to understand that it wasn't about hair, that it was about people. And you said something to me. I remember I was being a knucklehead kid, and we had to get a model for a class. And uh, I came back, and I was like, I don't have to get a mob. I have to get a model. Like, I didn't come here to get models. I remember saying that to you. I didn't come here to get models. I came here to be a hairdresser. And um, and uh, I said, you know, I didn't come here to walk up and down the street to get models. I came here to do hair. And you looked at me, and you said that there's not a piece of hair that's not connected to a head, that's not connected to a body, that's not connected to a soul. And until you touch the soul, you can't do anything. And in that cross, Stephanie, Jersey, <laughs> laser-like eyeball that you gave me at that time, I was like, you put me in my damn place. And you helped me to realize this industry and this world was not about all the techniques that you could do. It wasn't all the, the little tricks that you could pull out. It was about truly connecting with people. And I just want to thank you for, for being on here because the world needs more Stephanie. Well, thank you. And it is an awesome opportunity to be interviewed by one of my favorite sons. You know, <laughs> when I think about it, I've never had children, but man, I have. I've got them all over the world. Uh, when I think about uh, just people and some of the people, I, I don't remember their name, but like when they hop on, on Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, you're that kid from Italy. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, there was a kid that I met. We did a hair show in... Uh, Manchester and his name's Rory and Rory's like and I worked with Rory's boss who's one of those people I just come to cut hair and I'm like all right well I'm glad you know all those techniques but if you ain't got a head of hair to put it on good luck you know so Rory's like I was told to do this and do that and I'm just putting it on and I'm like let's have fun and I remember he's just a young kid like he's somebody that I would just want to grab him and bring him to the United States and I said to him I said 
yeah, we were selling tea tree. I said, so put it on their hands, give them a little hand massage. And I said, and maybe try a little, you know, say, love, can I put this on the back of your neck so you can feel how great it feels? That's what you're going to experience every day when you're in the shower. And he's like so green, like so young. He, I go, in 10 years from now, you're going to remember that pickup line and you're going to love it, you know. <laughs> but like, it's just amazing to have young people in your life. And you were one of those young kids that were like, eh, 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 all about this. And you just needed to see the potential of the lane ahead. You know, it's like being in traffic. Sometimes you're like, eh, like, why did I get behind like the lady going to church? <laughs> well, maybe you need to go to church and you should follow her. But like, you got to wait until your lane's open, you know? So like all of that, it's just things that were handed down for me. And maybe it wasn't um, verbalized, but maybe I got the evil eye. Maybe when I was loud in the model room, somebody would call me Rhoda because, <laughs> you know, or maybe I just noticed that no matter how much I did, it wasn't enough until you did it for the right people. So, you know, for me, it is just an incredible journey and I'm just honored and to watch everybody that I've had a hand in their success is just the greatest gift because yeah, I can tell people how great it is to do this, but when I see them still in the game, I mean, that's, congratulations, Mr. Cardenas. You've, you've definitely taken it to the next level. And it's even people, like one of my friends, George, is uh, George Baliaggio on Instagram. George and I started, he was a color tech for Fermisi when I was a young kid. And we met in the wash house. We met shampoo and hair. And then like maybe, I don't know, 20 years later, we did a show for Maley's. And I'm like, George, we're still in the wash house, but look at what we're doing. And, you know, we'll still always still be in the wash house because I'm not too big to shampoo somebody. I'm not, I'll always get the broom <laughs> and I'll always empty the pan. Uh, you know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta stay humble, you know? And I think that shampooing everybody once and again they're like, oh, Stephanie's shampooing. Yeah, I move. You know, I'm not just a cloud. Uh, I think it's just interesting to always, if you're willing to ask for it, you better be willing to do it. So I think I've been asking for a lot of great things, and I'm going to try to do them because I know what's on the other side of that. You get rewarded. I remember, like, my first chance, I got denied. And then my second chance, I didn't. So I got to rise to a level. And then when I wanted to jump to the next level, I had to start all over again. So because you can get that high once, you know, you can always do it no matter where it is. And whenever hairdressing got a little too crazy, I went to visit a friend of mine who lives in Florida and she owned a restaurant and I just put on an apron and I'd be scrambling eggs. I'd be washing dishes. I'd be doing whatever it took because no matter what you do, it's you bring your certain service skills to one another. I mean, I've rolled up and been a bartender just because, you know. So I think it's always looked at the gift of just connecting. And I think I want to just connect a little stronger as I get to the next level. So that's what's in store, Cal. Well, I, I thank you so much. So now's the time where you need to uh, click the link, subscribe, uh, check out all of our sponsors, patronize them, do all the things that you know you need to do. 
And I want to thank you again, Stephanie, for being on the show. I'm going to scare you again uh, with the uh, with the ending with music. With the jam music. Yeah, with the jam. Get your jam on, Are you Kelly. ready? Get your jam. Thank you again for being on. Thank You're you for listening so, to everyone. Thank you, everybody. And we will put her uh, Instagram, uh, you know, all the contact information. I'm actually going to give out her phone number to some of you men out there <laughs> who are looking for a, a lady who will rock your world. Thank you so much, Stephanie Kachowski. Thank you, Kelly. You Get it. your jam on. Kelly.